This character is described as compassionate, caring, stubborn, opinionated, highly competitive, and outgoing. Fearless and focused on her objectives, she prefers to avoid conflict, but if pressed, she will engage in battle. I've given you the description of a true warrior princess, Princess Diana. The superhero, that is, not the one we fondly remember as part of the monarchy, also known as Wonder Woman, who is lucky enough to have a living, breathing superhero on a podcast episode. If there's anything close to that, my bets are all on my next guest. And once you listen to her story, you will agree. She's unstoppable in her tracks, has the strength and personal fortitude of a genuine fighter, and will do whatever she can to support society, specifically local businesses and nonprofits in her community. Welcome to episode 12 with Linda Thomas. Linda, also known to herself as batshit crazy and loving every minute of it. She's a gal's best girlfriend and a guy's best girlfriend a devoted mom, and a deeply committed and immensely integrated member of her community. By day, she's a promotions director for the Jim Patterson Media Group, which, among many stations, owns the Eagle FM in the Comox Valley. By night, weekends, and any free time she can find, Linda's a student pursuing her master's degree in communications through Royal Roads University and is a member of the Chamber of Commerce, previously holding the position as board chair. And then there are her athletic pursuits in marathon races and conditioning and strength training with CrossFit. The list isn't done. She's also a member of the Auxiliary Police Force for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Coincidentally, her fiancé is Steve Trevor. Now, for those of you who know the most revered female superhero icon created in 1941 by William Moulton, Marston, you will know that Trevor is the famed love interest of Wonder Woman. Of course he is. Humbly, Linda will not fess up to being all of these amazing things we, her colleagues and friends, will describe her as. But there is no doubt, Linda is a woman of wonder. I wonder what she'll say next. So stick around for this episode to find out. A word of caution, you will laugh and you may even cry. And you will probably be shocked and will most certainly be inspired. I can't wait for the listeners to feel the energy of this conversation. I'm with Linda, Linda Thomas. We've known each other for in and out for a number of years. I'm not, I'm thinking seven, eight years. It's got to be like eight. I think the first time I met you, correct me if I'm wrong, I was in uniform. There was something going on with 19 Wing Comox. We were at the Thrifties. Our friendship really solidified, though, when I moved over to the school district. I think that's when you and I really gelled. I think so, too. It's it's funny the things you remember. Um, <laughs> you remember Thrifty Foods, and I remember us having a conversation outside of the newsroom in the Eagle, and everyone just kind of staring at us like we're crazy people. That's actually what I remember. And that wasn't our first meeting, but I just, it sticks right. out because everyone's like, what are those two girls doing? And I'm you know, like, don't you know? This is how we act. <laughs> I was creeping you on Facebook today. I wanted to get some really nice profile pictures for my graphic to go with the podcast. And I was looking at your fitness photos and your running photos. And I thought to myself, my God, this woman is Wonder Woman. And I kid you not, then I came across the picture of your Christmas tree ornament of the Wonder Woman outfit. It, it's funny, there was actually a story behind that. Do tell and I, I'm gonna sound like a super nerd, please don't make fun of me. Well, maybe just make fun of me, it's totally fine. <laughs> okay, so in the comic books, Wonder Woman's um, boyfriend, like first love was Steve Trevor. Um, my fiance's name is Steve Trevor. <laughs> of course. I love that you were creeping in on social media today. It's funny that you were looking for photos. So I kept thinking was like, which hair color did you notice? <laughs> I love it. Well, my question before I discovered the Wonder Woman outfit was to call you Superwoman because you have the Superwoman lifestyle. You are, okay, so you have a career in the media field. You're with the Auxiliary Police Force, RCMP. You're pursuing a master's degree, marathon runner. <laughs> crossfit and then you show up to be a supportive mom how do you do this like do you ever stop the answer should be no 
Um, <laughs> I, I actually really enjoy being busy. And like they always say to people, if you want something done, ask the person who's got a full plate. And that's usually me, but I get bored really fast. And for me, yeah, it's, it sounds crazy. When you say the long list of things, I'm like, that actually is a lot. That lady is kind of crazy. Um, maybe you should hang out with her, <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it's something I like to do like school. Yeah. School is a funny thing. Um, since I was in my twenties, I wanted to be, uh, to get my master's and my doctorate and, you know, it didn't kind of work out right away. Uh, CrossFit, um, I don't do as much CrossFit now just because of marathon training. Um, I'm doing some uh, 30 minute hit stuff um, as well. And the running, the running is therapeutic. And I know most people would say running is terrible. And, you know, we're that meme that on a holiday, you know, we do a 5k run and then have mimosas. Um, we're that family. I'm okay with it. But it, it, it gets me out of my own head. And I have the luxury for the past year to work from home. Um, my job has stayed relatively the same in the sense that I'm gainfully employed, but have made, been able to make adjustments. And my girls are 18 and 15. So the thing is, I don't have little kids that, you know, you'd have to do bedtime routines and they, these girls can make their own meals. So that's helpful. I don't know. It's funny. And, and maybe that sound makes me sound crazy, but I, I wouldn't change anything about what I'm doing. I just want to understand a little bit more about Linda. Like, what is your superpower? You said you just don't stop, but there's something innate in you that obviously wants to not just survive, but to thrive. It's funny you say superpower. And, and for the longest time, I used to think it was maybe not the most positive thing about me, but what a lot of people don't know and they hear like, oh, she's ran marathons and she's run half marathons and she's done this and she's done all these things. But part of that, like, I think is because I have a busy brain and I have an anxiety disorder and I have to take medication every day to keep everything balanced. And, you know, a lot of people would look at that as, oh, that's awful. Like that must be so hard. And oh, I can't believe that's happening to you. And, but you know what? The thing is I've learned is that like being able to say to people, hey, yeah, like I have an anxiety disorder, which most common, the reaction is shock because of all the things I do and all the things I'm involved in. But it's what keeps me going because I know I have to lead a certain style of life to keep that balance along with healthy eating, sleeping, um, you know, at medication, which you know, whether you're pro or against, I just know what works for me and, and I know what I need. Um, but it's taught me so much about myself and it's taught me how to navigate some really crazy stuff. And I mean, I've navigated divorce and I've navigated my dad having dementia and dealing with all of that and, you know, all that stuff. But again, like, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. And it doesn't mean that I don't fall apart. And it doesn't mean that, you know, I sometimes think my brain is a big dumpster fire and I don't know what's happening in there. Cause I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, it's to a lot of people, I think having some mental health stuff would be detrimental, but to me, it's pushed me to be better for me. It's been, I have to run. Like if I run, I'm healthy. And so, you know, we, we teach our kids to have a toolbox, right? This is the analogy we've always used in our house. You have a toolbox of things to help you through a tough time. And in my toolbox is a pair of running shoes. Mm. And we try to simplify that when the kids were little. And now that they're older, I'm sure they think we're, you know, just crazy. They, of course, they're teens. So I'm sure they know more than I do, mm. um, which is every, every teenager. And we were like that too. But it's one of my things because I can either go blow out on a 3k run and just run as fast as I can. And my lungs are just like, Ooh, okay, you're done. Or I can just head out slow and steady for a 16k and just clear my head. So it's the same with like CrossFit or boxing. It's you go in and you just let it all out on the floor. You leave it there. And sometimes there's tears on the floor and sometimes I'm okay with that. I'm okay with there being tears on the floor because it's real. It's raw. It's what I'm going through. And so I have to let that happen and that keeps me going. So I've just kind of taken that and said, okay, this is, this is what I deal with. Here's where I need to get. And then of course, because I'm an overachiever, I like to take on more than that and say, okay, well, so if running is going to make me feel better, how about I run a marathon? Like that seems like a really good idea at 38. I did it. 
and I did it again the next year, but, and I'm doing it again this year. I don't want people to feel like just because you have mental health stuff or an anxiety disorder that that is going to make or break you, or that's what you have to be known as. It's such a small piece of you because there's so much more to you. Like I'm still an athlete. I still am a full-time student. I'm still a mom. I'm still a fiance. I'm still a member of my community. We get caught up sometimes in that big piece. And a working mom too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I work in radio, so I don't know if I call that work, like, because it's a lot of fun. Well, let's tell our listeners a little bit about your profession. So you work in radio, but it's community oriented. You're very good at it. My job is unique because we do a lot of web-based stuff. Um, I voice community calendars. We do contesting, but then we also get to work with the nonprofits in our communities and support them in the events that are happening. So pre-COVID, of course, my part of my role was going to all these cool events that are being run and being able to raise awareness about a ton of nonprofits in our communities and support them. So COVID has meant pivoting. Like, I mean, that's the key word of what it was of 2020, the word pivot, um, <laughs> teaching them how to pivot and us pivoting as well, like working from home and um, finding ways to help raise awareness about their causes uh, in new ways that we never thought we'd have to figure out. Um, I get to work with clients that we have so businesses in town um, in our communities which is kind of neat too because I think it's important that as a community we support local and we because here's the thing when you when you have a fundraiser you're going to the business down the street that you have you get takeout from or pre-covid you celebrated every holiday act and you know like I think about it I think about it this way we had a restaurant that we chose and I don't know why we chose this restaurant. We just, every, the kids loved it. And we were sitting in there before restaurants got shut down. And we said, how many years have we been going here? Like the kids grew up in this restaurant and it sounds so funny, but those are the people that you ask for help whenever um, the community needs them. So my role partly is to support those businesses. I don't know. I don't think of it as such a big deal. I just really have fun with what I do. And I like getting to learn about places and organizations that I didn't know about before and say, you know what, you guys are doing some really great stuff. Everybody needs to know about you. I share that sentiment. And this is why I wanted to launch this podcast in the first place, because there are so many amazing people, go-getters. And when I, I couch it as saying it's all about entrepreneurs, but it's anybody who's getting up every day and going out there and trying to make a, a living and surviving COVID and doing whatever shift, pivot, redefine they have to do so where I would say the Comox Valley is very lucky to have Linda Thomas and sharing that the community message to get out there and support one another it's it, it's it funny sense. I feel the opposite I, I feel the opposite I feel like I'm lucky to be here because oh. this community fills your cup and I, I think that you know as we're talking about this podcast Comox Valley is terrible you don't want to come here is what I want to tell people because I'm oh like gosh, we love yes. it we, oh, we okay. We, we love our town, but yeah, you're like, oh, but, but no, it's true. You know, when you live somewhere and you love a place, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not from Comox Valley. I'm actually from Ontario. So I, I'm one of those Ontario kids who moved here and, you know, all that, you know, you moved to BC, but this town fills my cup because here's the thing I've realized anytime I'm working on an event, I go to a community business and I say, Hey, we're doing this. Do you mind helping? The answer is always yes. Mm -hmm. And there are so many places in the world where we just don't have a community like that. I know I'm lucky to live here. Like we've, we've got it pretty good. It's had an epiphany. I should be getting those community nonprofit leaders onto the podcast just to share a little bit about what they are really doing for this community. And I mentioned earlier, the coldest night, the coldest uh, night of the year walk, which our community is huge. Every year we keep surpassing the, the goal the transition society and that was just another one of those events like community stepping up that is just a fine example of how this community reaches deep into not just their pockets but their hearts hats off to you though linda i know you take that that compliment humbly and that's what makes you i think that's your superpower right there girl it <laughs> feels know. weird when people are like hey you're really great i'm like i don't know you know like have you met me have you spent any time with me because i'm super awkward like i'm always really awkward like i just say things that come out and then i'm like oh i really just said that to that person um it happens to me all the time i've learned and and i'm you know i'm doing a master's in professional communication and i realize that 
I will be the example of what you don't do. Yes, just follow Linda Thomas. And that is actually how you don't do professional communications. I think the landscape is is shifting. We are, we are craving more authenticity to laugh more when we see other people just having fun and laughing. And, and we're saying, yeah, that's hum- that's being human, which is why this is such an ideal platform. Okay, well, let's let's go back in time. Was there an event or a time specific reference to really shaped who you are, what you do and why you do it today? Interestingly enough, my, my other education is actually not in radio or media. Um, I took social service worker. So I'm just at Sanford Fleming College in Peterborough, Ontario, and um, got my diploma in social service worker. I happened to be sleeping at a friend's house and their stepdad had some trouble with alcohol, which is unfortunate. Uh, multiple kids in the house. Um, it's funny when you shake those memories and you kind of try and remember things. Think, there's certain things that will always stick with you. Um, so we were sleeping in the room with my friend, uh, really good friend at the time. The dad had come home, or stepdad had come home and had a weapon, I believe a shotgun, um, oh and sat. They had kind of one of those little, like in most country homes, you have that little alcove where you have like a little TV room. And then if you think of like the country farmhouses, there's bedrooms that kind of go around that um, area. Mm-hmm. He sat there and was looking for his current wife, um, my friend's mom. And he wanted to kill her that night. He was sure. He was sure she had been doing something he didn't like. And he wanted to end her life with all of us in the house. So um, my friend just said like, don't move, just don't move. Uh, and I, of course, being young and not really understanding this kind of situation, we laid there. Her mom actually hid in the closet of the bedroom we were in. And uh, he searched the room and he saw me and realized it was me realizing it's not one of his kids and tried to like almost recover himself. Like, oh, it's fine. And I'm in my head going, it's not fine. This is not fine. So he searched the closet that we, she was hiding in and, and that level of fear you have that he's going to find her. But um, she managed to just kind of sneak her way as far back as she could in that closet. Cause again, it's a country home with the like slanted roof. So the closet goes pretty far back. Um, so he sat there and stared right at me because my, where I was sleeping face right where he was sitting with a gun ready to go. And had she have come out, he would have killed her. So we waited and waited until he passed out. And we snuck out, got everybody out of the house rolled their vehicle out of the driveway, started it. And then she called my mom from a hotel. So, and said, I have your daughter, she's safe. We just need to know, you need to know where we are, but please don't tell anyone where we are. My goodness. That kind of opened my eyes to, there's a lot of kids out there that are exposed to some very terrible stuff. To normalize that, like kind of for them and say, it's okay, like I'm still your friend, like it's not your fault it kind of opened my eyes to like, I need to help people. How, how do I help people like that? How do I, how, how do I help kids in that situation? Because I know firsthand how scary that was. It wasn't my family, but just by proxy, you were there. And um, that was a big shaper for me that some of it could be why I have anxiety today. I don't know. And I mean, I don't, I don't really look for a reason why I have an anxiety disorder. I don't, I don't know. It's just, a, it's, it's something I have. It's, it's part of me. It's part of who I am. It's, it's a thing. It's no different. Taking meds every day for it is no different than, you know, if I had diabetes or any other, any other kind of situation, um, or if I need to take aspirin because I had some kind of heart condition or whatever it may be. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, to say that's probably a pretty big one that shaped my life. It, that's incredible. It sounds like super sad and, you know, like, I don't want everyone to be like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. It, 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 it was, it was awful. And the good news is, you know, the person got help and the family's okay. And, you know, nothing, nothing bad happened. I mean, it could have went a lot differently. Do you still have any contact with that family? I do actually. Yeah, I do. Uh, so strangely enough. Yeah, of course. Cause it's, I don't know, again, like it's not their fault. Like there's just certain people that stay in your life. There's certain people that kind of come and go and you can kind of pick up and you follow along with them. And um, yeah, my, my mom still has contact with that family every once in a while. And I'm fascinated that you said, you know, even at the tender age of 12, 13, instinctively knew 
that you needed to help people, which led you into your first career in social work. Amazing. That is quite incredible. Yeah, it's, I was exposed to a lot of stuff like that as a kid. Um, You know, and I think maybe it's the era of when I grew up, like the time frame. I don't know, but yeah, there was lots of, there was lots of instances like that. Like, I feel like there's, there's about three that I can think of that are like things that I forced me to help people. My, my friend's brother um, committed suicide in their home the day after we'd all been there for a party and watching that family go through that is, you know, you think, oh man, like if someone only knew or if someone had talked to him or, and I mean, you, you play all those questions in your head because you, you right. want to find an answer. You want to fix it. And I think that's it too, is you want to fix it because saying it sucks doesn't feel like enough. Yeah. And then the final one was grief. Um, watching my grandma pass away. I was with her and I was near the same age. So kind of three big things in a very short amount of time. Um, I was in the room with her with my mom and my aunt and when she finally passed and that ability to watch them hurting so bad when she passed away and then kind of feeling helpless because you don't want to be over for them, even though, you know, she's suffering. She, she was very sick, but you want them to have that one more minute with her. Like have, can we have just one more minute with her? But yeah. So those kind of were three big thing they were so close together in that time frame within about a you know a year or two yeah it it definitely shaped a lot of my like how do I how do I make them feel better you know and and of course for me now a lot of it's humor because you know that's that's how that's how I I get it I had a friend say to me recently every funeral home needs a Linda Thomas because (laughs) you like you know, you can be going through the worst thing and crying and then you start talking and you just make us laugh. And now we're crying as we're laughing and we're happy. And I, you know, every, yeah. And I, I thought that's the funniest compliment I've ever gotten. Like <laughs> maybe I need to switch careers again. Maybe that'll be a thing, but I, I try to, like, I just want people to feel. So if you could go back in time and, and talk to your younger self, you know, be that, maybe that 12 or 13 year old child, what was the one piece of advice that you think that she would need to know? I thought a lot about this. I would say to her, it's going to be okay. It's going to be rough. There's going to be some really rough waters. There's going to be some stuff that you're going to see and go through. It's going to challenge you to your core and you are going to struggle, but just listen to your gut. And when I, when I listen to my gut, I'm always, I'm always in a better place, but yeah. And, and knowing that those challenges you're going through, that you, the rough waters and and the stuff where you think it's not going to be okay, you will make it to the other side. Just try your hardest to push through. And, you know, what I, what I wished at 18, when I was really 16, 18, when I was really struggling with mental health. And of course, in a time when you didn't talk about mental health, you didn't kids who were kids who were contemplating suicide or kids who were like having anxiety issues we didn't we didn't talk about that you didn't you didn't tell your parents you didn't you told your best friend and then nothing really happened and there was no you know it didn't it didn't feel at the time there was any kind of like doctor would sit and keep trying different medications with you until they worked I wish I would have known what I know now but again you have to grow and, and go through the experiences to know that mm-hmm again, that stuff has shaped me who I am today. And I'm stronger because I went through all of that. I made it through the other side. And I'm still okay. That defines who you are today. There's so much strength has come out of it. The humor. Oh man, you've got to laugh. Like you just have to let it out. It's good to have <laughs> something to laugh at. Like, you know, because it just fills your bucket. It fills you with joy. Emily and Amelia Nagoski, sisters, they wrote on the subject of stuck emotions in our bodies that when left unattended can cause serious problems physically and mentally. The book is called Burnout and they, they list, I think there's five or six things that help the release of course, because stresses come and go. We just have to deal with them. It's how we release the emotion that the stress causes. And of course, movement, physical activity, the body's designed to move. You got that one nailed down, Pat. Laughter and crying and uh, being with friends, a big hug. They say a hug is, but that's of course not allowed right now, unless it's a loved one. When I say, when you say physical activity, like please don't everyone think that, you know, like you need to run a marathon to be healthy. Um, no, I'm just crazy. Like that, there's just a certain population of us who just, you know, <laughs> think that's a really good idea, but you know, 
walking. Like I started a Instagram page for my running um, because I'm, I'm a dork and I, I think it's kind of fun. And if, if one person, you know, follows along on my Instagram page and it gets them moving, um, I, I, I will be like, this is great. Um, so my 21 follower, thank you for following me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's probably my brother, it's fine. Um, but no, like I, I think too, like just getting out and even during the pandemic, we have started a little uh, messenger group um, of us who are running. And of course we're not running together because you can't really run together. Um, and, and of course, one of the, one of the girls is in England. It's that idea of people holding you accountable and saying, oh yeah, I'm getting out for a run. doesn't matter how far you're going or how fast you are. None of us care about that kind of stuff. It's just that idea of having people hold you accountable and just like say, Hey, I, I, I haven't seen you on Strava lately. Like, have you, how are you doing? And that kind of checking in. So Linda, tell us where people can find you. Uh, head over to Instagram. It's lynda.thisis40ish. And 40 is spelt out uh, the four and a zero. Hey, maybe I'll inspire you. Who knows? I want people to be encouraged that even though the pandemic is happening, there's still ways to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same. I know I know it's not the same. Like, I know I like to hug people. Um, it's super awkward when you're just like, I'm, a, I'm sometimes a hugger and I'm like, well, can't hug you. This is awkward. And I walk forward and then I realize I'm walking backwards and they're like, that lady's crazy again, right? Like, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's finding ways to make the best of it would be, I guess, the way to say. And moving is the best. Um, laughing and crying. Yeah, I am pro laughing and crying. I have teenage girls. So, and another one, of course, is the deep breath, the breathing, but really breathing and not holding it on the exhale. And, and I'm trying meditation and yoga. And here's what I've learned about the breathing and meditation and yoga. I'm really not great at it because I will, I will mentally like start making my grocery list. I'll be like, you should buy chips. And then, and then I realized I'm like, what? like I, I just spent 10 minutes and I like thought of everything else that I need to do, but I keep doing it. And I will say as someone who's still trying to learn to do yoga well and meditation well, that breathing really comes in handy. Um, it helps because when you're kind of feeling like you're going to blow a gasket, yeah, you just, you find ways, but you have to do it. Running, I will suggest you have to breathe, otherwise you just fall down. Um, lifting weights, like when you're lifting weights, you have to breathe and it's kind of cool because your breathing sounds really funny sometimes when they're really heavy. I'm pro trying yoga and meditation, but this is coming from someone again who still a year later makes her grocery list or remembers, hey, did you know, did we set the PVR for that show? Because I really don't want to miss it. Uh, that's me or laughs for the entire thing. And I don't know why things are so funny, but some of the movements in yoga, I just can't stop laughing. And then, you know, people are like, could you please stop doing that lady in the back? Could you, um, could you leave the room? You're really loud. Like, but that's me, but I, I encourage people to try it. It's, it's, it's good for you. Even if you laugh the entire way through, maybe just choose YouTube first and, you know, people can't actually hear you, um, is, is a good suggestion. Um, but yeah, or, you know, Hey, maybe people will just be drawn to you because you're just really funny. You know, I've been doing yoga on and off for an entire year through the pandemic because I had this brilliant idea that I was going to lose all this weight during the pandemic and I was going to get super fit. I really like food, but not like <laughs> healthy food. I just like, I like, I like French fries and poutine and I like, I like chips. So yeah, I'm sure I would have like a, an eight pack abs if I, you know, because they say your abs are built in the kitchen. And I was like, they're built in the kitchen. If I'm having pie, like for sure, I, I'm pro healthy eating, but I'm also like, did you know Oreos were on sale today? And they are never on sale. <laughs> and then I stand and eat the box. I just really love it. Like, I'm like, this is fantastic. This is the listeners going to be like, digress, digress, digress. But this is what makes it fun and real and authentic. And that's what we're here for. I do have to ask you, though, about the marathon running, this virtual running. So the hypothermic half marathon, I think that was your last one. That That was my last. That was my 11th half marathon. So here's what I learned about virtual running. And I I, I learned that I'm a very interesting person when it comes to running. (laughs) I perform better when there's no crowd. the, The idea of the crowd at the end when you're like, you know, so exhausted and they're, they're calling, strangers are calling your name. Like I've ran, I've ran in Vegas and then complete strangers are calling my name, whether they were intoxicated or not, they seem so friendly. And I still give them a high five when you could, you know, I, I did love it, but that pressure when people are watching you, it was too much. So the hypothermic half, we ran the Comox Valley half marathon route out, out in farmland. I love it. There's some horses you'll see, some cows, kind of reminds me of being back home. Um, yeah, that was my 11th half marathon. We have a 12th half marathon coming up in May. 
and we are in October doing the virtual Boston full marathon um, as well. You just choose a route in your own local area that's equivalent to the distance. Yeah. So yeah, you, you have to, and you have to track it. So whether you Strava, you, you, we all use Strava because it's easy. It's a, an easy platform to use. So we all use Strava and then you load your results. So yeah, you pick the area in your um, neighborhood, you run it, log it, enter it all. And then you have the perks of getting a medal for running. You, you know, in the running community, some people are like, oh, you get a medal for running your own neighborhood for a training run. But here's the thing about the pandemic. Like I need, I've learned, I need something to train for. When I just run to run, I get really lazy and I eat a lot more chips than I should. <sighs> if I'm training for a race, I do actually eat more vegetables and, and fruit and greens and, and proteins and, and things that I should be consuming, you know, no less cookies, but I balance it out better. If you, if it's what it's going to keep you motivated, like it's great. Um, it's not like you're not training or not trying like with the Boston full virtual, it's the first time ever the Boston marathon will be offering a full marathon virtually. It's an, as some may or may not know, it's an elite race. You have to qualify to get into it. My age category to run the Boston in person is I believe three hours and 36 minutes for a full marathon, which is 42.2 kilometers. This virtual marathon is like a unicorn medal. Like it's their 125th anniversary of the Boston marathon. It, they probably won't ever offer this option again. So there's five of us. We're going to do it together. And we know it's not the real Boston. Does it mean that we're not going to keep trying and keep honing our, our training and, and figuring out our runs to get to that? I might be 65 by the time I make it to the Boston in person, because when you're 65, the the timing is actually like you get more time. So I'm holding out. Yeah, I'm holding out for the 25 years. Like, this is fine. It's totally great. I'll just keep running. But yeah, does that mean it's not still my bucket list? Of course it is. But, yeah. you know, it gives me something to stay motivated for. So mm -hmm. my goal was to complete 13 half marathons before I turn 41, which is in July. So I'm doing number 12 in May. So I just need one more to kind of reach my goal. Congratulations. Good for you. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But here's the thing about half marathons. To some, they're like, this is insane. What I find about a half, I, I can finish a half and, you know, grab a sandwich and go get a beer and hang out with people and still be functioning. After a full, I just want to lay down. Like, I just want to, I just want to lay down and just, you know, maybe cry a little. <laughs> just cry. But then I look at it and I'm like, look what I just did. I just ran 42.2K. It, it's like when I hike the glacier, the Comox Valley Glacier. Every time I drive by that or look out my back window, I'm like, hey, I was up there. I know. Isn't I did that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. So, and I, I, I want to be encouraged people. If I can do it, trust me, anyone can. Like if the kid who eats cookies before training run can still do it, you totally can. We've covered a lot of ground, no pun intended, but I want to take advantage of having you on the show and your studies in, in the media relations and communications and your career in media, just to talk about what, what's going on with media and the pandemic. So from your experience and, and given what you know in the media field, how, has the pandemic changed the way we understand the role of the media? It's a loaded question. It is a loaded question, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing, I think the pandemic has changed the media. Mm -hmm. um, it's changed media in some good ways and in some maybe not so great ways. The good ways is we have been a way for people to get information um, throughout the pandemic. And I mean, look at Bonnie Henry doing her daily updates and the media is covering it every day. So people know the information. It may not be always the information we want to hear, but we're getting information. Media has changed completely not just because of the pandemic, but because of where we are, I think today in the sense of the ability with social media. I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't have a computer until I was, I think in grade 11. Um, my kids have had computers their entire way through school. We still had dial-up internet. So, you know, it was so, it was so different, but with the ability for um, the population to get everything right here, right now, at their fingertips on their phones um, and have that while they're standing in the grocery line to get, oh, I'm wondering what this is. And they can get that information right away is so different than what it was even 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, that's changed media for sure, because the idea now to get the story out quickly 
and have it first and beat everybody else changes how I think some stories are written. What it also has done now is it allowed the user, like normal people like you and I, to be more a part of sharing that media and having a chance to add your opinion to topics and create your own, own little climate. I caution people to check sources mm -hmm. because when you read an article, sometimes it looks like it's really from somewhere and someone shared it on Facebook. And you're like, oh, I saw this on Facebook. It must be true. It may not be true. Like, don't believe everything you read on Facebook. Check the sources, make sure they're valid. It's changed now with the number of journalists sitting in newsrooms, uh, less journalists need to do more work has created a different environment for them. And I feel for them, they're going to have feelings about, about a topic. And it's trying to keep your own opinions out of that topic and allowing your reader, your follower, your listener to create an opinion about the topic you're talking about on their own without you forcing it on them. One of the things we're studying is how, how things, how things are worded. And our professor constantly reminds us words, words matter. Words definitely matter. When you're reading a news item, how they use those terms, like what terms will kind of change your thinking or tweak something for you, whether we say riot or protest, right. whether, you know, like those are, those are just a, a quick, like very open example. So when you're reading an article, I challenge people to take a step back and say, okay, is that the journalist's opinion or is that the facts? And how do I feel about that? That's interesting. You raise that in just in the choice of language in the words, for example, contact and exposure to someone with the virus is very different than an outbreak in a school, for example. And yet that was a constant need. And you understand now in the PR field and with your PR education, how important it is to make sure that that right language and that message is being used and correct the media. Because after all, media's job is to inform. The PR's job is to convince. Very different roles. I think the pandemic has amplified it because we've had to, for the past year here, every single day, your force-fed numbers and your force-fed statistics and the language has changed. I'm sure the language that was used, you know, in March of 2020 to the language that's used March of 2021 has changed because we, we've been educated a little bit more. We're learning more about this virus. I'm, I'm staying out of the opinion of what I think about it, just that, that it's just a reality. It's the thing that's in the news all the time. And think back to other events that have happened in Canada and it becomes in the news cycle and it's a big thing, but then it does disappear. Just the pandemic has not disappeared because we're still, we're still in it. I think for the consumers of media, there's so much of it that it's hard if you are not educated. You don't have that background in communications where you know, hey, hang on, I got to check all these things first. It's easy to say, oh, but it's, it's on this place. Like it must be accurate. And it's not that the person, like I'm not saying people aren't educated. It's just they're getting duped on those sometimes because people... There's, there's so much, it's hard to find what's real and what's not. Trump's a prime example. I mean, that is like the epitome of, you know, craziness in media and, and words matter. I wrote, a, I wrote a paper on the RCMP and public perception. Actually, some of the research I found says that the majority of the population doesn't have face-to-face -face interactions with the police, that they get their opinion of the police or the media oh and how the media's words matter because what the media says about the police are going to formulate people's opinions because you don't normally, I mean, the average person does not have an interaction with the police. That's not something you normally have. So what the media says will change that. There's, there's some really great journalists out there. There's really great media outlets out there, but there's also a lot of people with the ability for social media side of it, non-journalists to take on that role as a journalist. So and people who aren't studying that field of media may not understand that fully. And then, Very true. yeah, their, their blogs and their, their articles look so real that you're like, yeah, this must be accurate, but they, they have no, and then what does make a journalist? You know, do, do they have to have formal training? There's so many questions. Yeah. Ask a lot of questions. We got to get back to some fun stuff. 
Okay, I like it. I know we're we're not always serious. I mean, every once in a while I can pull it off, but it only lasts for so long, and then I like you know I just can't handle it. <laughs> then I start laughing. <laughs> we need more Gary Larson's, you know, the far side of the news, right during yes. the pandemic. He he stopped the far side way too early. So let's move on to flashcards. Flash okay, cards. your first word is stamina. Uh here's the thing about stamina. It's kilometer 30 and all you're thinking about is I really want a sandwich and I don't want to use that porta potty. You keep your stamina and just finish the last 11 point or 12.2 K. Yeah, that's yes. stamina. That's realizing that, you know, you can do this. All right. We're going way off in a different direction with this next word. Synchronicity. It, you know, sometimes people say perfect timing mm -hmm. and I don't, I, I don't want to say the pandemic was perfect timing because there's nothing great about the pandemic, but it did allow me to work from home and have the chance to go back to school this time, this time it was, it was time for me to do something different and to get educated in things. And it, it was, it's been great getting educated during a time when the media is getting a lot of questions and me having a better understanding of, it, I think is good. I had, I had to be ready to go back to school and I had to have my kids old enough that they could function and could help out. And all those things kind of had to line. And then financially, obviously you had to be able to figure that out as well. Cause if anyone's been to grad school, you know that it's not cheap. Um, so all the, all those stars aligned for me to, you know, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's not the pandemic. Maybe it's just all these kind of weird little things that happened. And it's a multitude of events that align the stars that I could go back to school. Next word is vulnerability. It's funny when I think of vulnerability, I always think of being exposed. I know, not like, you know, like you're not wearing any pants to work and it was super <laughs> awkward because you forgot them. You know, being able to say publicly, yeah, I have an anxiety disorder and you know what, I have to take meds every day and hey, I'm okay. Like I'm super dorky and I'm pretty normal and it's okay. And I think being vulnerable to allow yourself to say that to people and because here's the thing, you never know who's listening. And maybe there's someone out there who's listening to this podcast thinking, good Lord, I'm never listening again because she had a weird guest on. And I hope that's not what you're saying. But maybe you're saying, hey, I'm someone who's been struggling and I just don't know how to get help. And this says to them, hey, if she can do it, I can. Mm -hmm. Your next word is surrender. It's funny. I have, two, I have two ways I look at surrender. So I look at surrender in the first way, much different than the second. So surrender, I look at it as, I don't look at it as a negative word. I look at it as a positive. Am I giving in to the fact that I have an anxiety disorder? No, I'm not. What I'm doing though, is I'm surrendering myself to say, I need to keep myself healthy. And to keep myself healthy, I have to be able to accept that I need to take these medications. And I also not only need meds, but I have to do the following things to take care of my body. I have to sleep well. I have to eat healthy. I have to consume water. And that's how I know I find the balance. The other way I look at surrender is I always think, and this is terrible, but I always think, again, I relate to running because this is all I do. But it's that idea that you get to like near the end of the race. And you're like, if I just lay down, like you think anyone will notice, like, yeah, you surrender to that race because you're like, I might, you know, I just, I'm just going to lay down here and rest for a little bit, but it's totally different types, totally different ways. Again, you never give in. You just keep going. And of course, one of my favorite questions of all times, because I like to know what people are reading. What is your favorite all-time read? So it's funny, my, my all-time read changes depending on kind of where I'm at. So where I'm at right now in life, um, Tia Claire Toomey is the four-time uh, four uh, fittest, uh, fittest woman on earth. Uh, she's a CrossFit. Um, so for those that don't know CrossFit, uh, she's competed the CrossFit Games and come in first as the fittest woman on the earth. She wrote a book, um, How I Became the Fittest Woman on Earth, My Story So Far. Here's the thing about Tia Claire Toomey. Um, her book was so real. And she's obviously much younger than I am. And she, she full on has a six pack. Um, but the way she started was like everybody else. And the way she describes her story is normal. Like, you know, how sometimes there's athletes and you're like, well, of course they're an athlete. Like this, 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 and this happened to them. She was a normal kid and uh, that's what I love about it. That's what I love about her and following her as a CrossFit athlete is she never gives up. She puts all the work in um, 
she, but she still is fun and she's still like a normal person. And I kind of, sometimes when I just need to pick me up, I'll head over to her Instagram page and check it out. And um, yeah, she still cares and she's still passionate and she's still trying new things. Like currently she is trying to join the Australian bobsled team. Um, Wow. I know. And that's, and that's what I love about her. And that's why I think like every time I'm like, oh, this is a really good idea. Let's do it. Because I think, oh, what would Tia Claire too we do? Oh, she would just do it. Am I ever going to have a six pack like her? No, of course not. Cause I eat too many cookies, but <laughs> am I, can I, can I have that mindset that yeah. just put the work in, just do it. Just keep trying. Don't give up. And you're not going to be amazing. My first run of the season and I've been off, I'm like huffing and puffing. I'm sure there's people walking by thinking, does she need medical support? Like, is she okay? I came across a recent quote on Facebook. I mean, what do we not come across on Facebook these days, right? This one was it's stuck. If you're not completely embarrassed by your first attempt at something, you waited too long to try. And you put it in the right context when it comes to the fitness and the mindset. You, know, you don't have to have it perfect the first time, but give it a go. Because so. what's the worst that's going to happen? You're not going to finish it. Okay. Yeah. But if you don't try, you're never going to know. You'll have, you know, one Instagram follower or maybe 12 listeners to your podcast, but what the hell it's, it's therapeutic in the process, right? I didn't uh, run my first full marathon until I was 38 and yeah, still alive. I made it. So like, let's be real here. Still good. I think coaching, motivation, coaching, something in that lines would be your, your next career. I, everyone keeps asking what my next career will be. And, uh, yeah, I, I would love to work in something with, involving sports just because I I love that environment. I, I love when people push themselves beyond what they think they can do and then they do great things. Um, I've had some of the best coaches uh, on the CrossFit floor. Yeah, there's some great people out there that uh, you can find. And I've had great people inspire me. So I would like to return the favor. Beautiful. I was going to ask you where you work out so I can get a, a shout out for them. But Strong Hearts. You're- yeah, Strong Hearts School of Fitness. And then I also like, that's where I was working out before um, COVID. Currently now I'm over at um, 30 minute hit Courtney doing their 30 minute hit. Um, It's a boxing thing. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the boxing thing, it's 30 minutes and you just hit things and then you leave. Um, It's phenomenal. (laughs) So when you're stuck on a paper, it's really great because you just go hit things for a half hour. Not people, don't worry. There are not, there is no people harmed at 30 minute hit. Um, but yeah, you just go and you hit stuff and you get all that stuff out and they must have people lined up at the door, 30 minute hit. Cause who doesn't want to just pumble the shit out of stuff right now? Well, it's great. And, and I mean, they're, they're following all the COVID protocols, like for obvious reasons, but it's not a class setting. You, you log in outside on your phone and it gives you how many minutes you have to wait and you go in and put your, you have your stuff on and you go hit stuff and you do like a have a horseshoe and then you're out and yeah, no contact. So it's fantastic. And you're wearing your gloves the whole time. Um, but I know like same with strong hearts, they're making it work too. Like they have taped everything off and how you have your own stuff and they sanitize everything. There's a lot of gyms that are, are doing individual stuff to keep us all healthy during the pandemic. It's, you gotta have fun. You gotta, no matter what you choose to do, you have to have some fun. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I'd like to get you back on again, for sure. Maybe when you're 65 and you're doing that Boston Marathon. In person? Yeah, I know. I feel like I've got good odds. Like the odds are good. Now, if I don't like hurt myself, it'll be great. Like totally fine. (laughs) And I, you know, probably have less than great odds that this podcast will still be running when you're 65. But if it is, well, then I'm doing something right. Linda, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in the community once again. Wow, that was quite the conversation with Linda. She pursues her passions with purpose. As she said, she wanted to pursue higher education since her early 20s and waited for time and circumstance to allow. So many takeaways from this conversation. And here's what I really got out of it. One thing that she said is, running gets me out of my head, much of which is related to her anxiety disorder. She says she has to work really hard to keep things balanced, and it actually works in her favor. It helps her set boundaries, navigate through life's challenges, 
and it motivates her to be better. There's no disorder. For Linda, it's not a detriment. Her anxiety brings order and balance. Another thing Linda couldn't stress enough, have fun with whatever you do. She mentioned it several times. I love that. Fill your cup with what brings you joy. And joy can be measured in whatever fills your cup. Humor, having fun, serving others, seeking higher education, and challenges that push us past our boundaries and test our stamina. And here's something else I really got out of this conversation. There's always a lesson, a hidden message in an early childhood significant emotional event that changes you shapes decisions, choices, and behaviors far into adulthood, but they never have to be limitations or rob you of having a happy and fulfilling life. We all have a value system, and when we lean into these values, we are able to push through those rough waters. They are our anchor after all. And Linda, well, she values making people laugh and bringing humor to the matter. It's a release and it feels good. Laugh and laugh lots. And have fun falling out, an expression that us yogis like to use when we're attempting a really challenging pose. It's a metaphor for life. And another important value, being real. Being real requires being vulnerable. Showing up just who you are. Be who you are. And if they love you, they love you. If they don't, they don't. And to go along with that is surrender. Surrendering the ego and allowing yourself to be truly who you are and to let those values shine through. And the last takeaway, a really important one for all of us, just put in the work. Whatever you're striving to achieve, whatever your goal, whatever intention, put in the work and enjoy the journey. You'll discover remarkable things about yourself and the people who are with you along the way. And my journey with this podcast has been remarkable in itself. I have truly enjoyed all my guests sharing their stories of resiliency, vulnerability, and being authentic. And I hope you are enjoying this journey too, listening into each of these episodes and hearing these remarkable stories. And perhaps you'll find something that's real, relatable, and relevant to whatever situation you might find yourself in. Thank you again for listening to episode 12. I'm your host, Mary Lee. Unfaxed is a podcast by MGG Communications, Inc. I am your host, Mary Lee. Hey, if you're enjoying listening to these episodes about entrepreneurs, go ahead and subscribe and share. Tell your friends. And maybe even write a review on Apple Podcast. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned for more episodes of amazing entrepreneurs telling their backstory, showing their authenticity. And remember... At MGG Inc., our business is telling your business.